Wake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Chapter 1, 
Sarah, I proposed the office, friend of God, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So the first account was the book of Luke, which he wrote. And then he wrote this book of Acts. Verse 2, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he had presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So Jesus, after he rose from the dead, was for 40 days walking around or appearing and reappearing and disappearing and showing up and walking around and, you know, talking to many, many people. We only have a few of those things before. But for 40 days, Jesus has been I wonder if he showed up in his home when Mary and his brothers and sisters were because we'll find out later what happens to them. But for 40 days, speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Of course, we talked about this before. The disciples had in their brains and their minds one thing in the way that things were going to happen with Jesus, the guy who multiplied bread and healed everybody, he was going to be the king over Jerusalem, over natural Jerusalem, and they were going to be, you know, on his right and left here in, in their lifetime. And so they were, that was still in their brains, that was still in their mindset. Is this going to happen today? Is this going to happen next week? When is this happening? When you are going to rule, and what are we going to do right now? Of course, this turned out a lot different than what they thought. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So Jesus is saying to them, I know you want to know times and seasons and you want to know exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen, but I don't want you focused on those things. I want you fully engaged with the Spirit of God who's about to move on the inside of you. And when He moves into the inside of you and you are fully engaged with Him, you are going to have a power to do things you've never had before. Power to be a witness and to go places you've never been before. You're, you're supposed to go all over the place. You're supposed to talk to a lot of people and bring the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying there. In verse 9, And after he had said these things, he was looking up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing and quickly to the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. So they are standing with the crowd, looking up, they're in these glowing white garments, and 
all of a sudden they start speaking and get their attention. And they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. He's coming back. But you guys are working with me, basically. Don't just stand here staring at the sky. It's time to do what he asked you to do. In Luke 3.16, of which, of course, Dr. Luke wrote, says this, John answered and said to them, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So remember, John prophesied that before Jesus started his ministry. Jesus refers to that a moment ago, and yet, this hasn't happened yet. The very ministry that John the Baptist prophesied that Jesus would have was to baptize people in the Holy Spirit and fire, and it has not happened, and now he's gone. He is the Spirit of heaven. And this Holy Spirit baptism has not happened yet. That's because the ministry of Jesus, though he was lifted up from the earth into the clouds, he still had one more thing to do, and that's to get to heaven. And then send the Holy Spirit. Pray places with the Holy Spirit, basically. He's going to get to heaven and send the Holy Spirit to the earth. And that was his final mission there that he was given, which was prophesied before he even started his, his mission. Okay, and then in verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, which is about three quarters of a mile. That's the walkway far on Sabbath. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. So they were already staying there. They go back to where they're living, basically, together. That is Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas, and son of James. These all with one mind, they had a unity, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Of course, we learned in John 7 5 that his brothers did not believe in him. This family was not on board with Jesus being the Messiah. They were not following him. They were not part of his disciples, his own family. But here they are, in this room with 120 other people. Isn't that fascinating? Wouldn't you like to know what happened? I don't know if he may have up at the house when he was there, right? He could have shown up there and had dinner with them, resurrected Jesus, or something similar. I wouldn't be surprised. We don't know that I'm speculating. But they were. Unified these 120 people, and they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And you don't see that when Jesus is on the earth with them. They weren't devoting themselves to prayer. They were following Jesus. They were doing the works of Jesus. He was sending them out. They were following him. They were serving him. All of those things. But suddenly, there's a change in prayer becomes the thing that those who are left behind here with the Spirit. They're about to get the Spirit, and they begin praying. They begin praying for 10 days. They're devoted to prayer. It's interesting to me, this shift 
Jesus being with them, and now he's not there, and now they begin to really pray. They, of course, asked Jesus how to pray earlier, he taught them, and now they begin doing it. So they're praying there, waiting for what he said was going to happen. And then in the next 14 verses or so, in their prayer meetings, Peter stands up one day and says, Okay, there's something we need to do, everybody. We need to replace Judas. Judas died, he killed himself, and um, we need to find a replacement for him. So they choose lots, which no one knows exactly what that is either. And uh, my dad used to get when I was a kid with broken uh, toothpicks in his hand of different sizes. It was time to choose what store we were going to do, something like that, right? So he would say, Excuse me, he'd look like they're all the same type on one side. And, I don't know what the lots were like um, here, but they chose Matthias. He replaced Judas. You guys remember, and put slide number one up there. Um, remember in Genesis 11, going way back, everyone had one language. Remember that? Everyone had one language. And what were they doing? They were unified, they were building. A tower. And what was the reason for building the tower? To reach up to heaven was reason number one. What's the second thing? To make a name for themselves. They wanted to reach God through their own efforts, and they wanted to make a name for themselves. Let's make a great name for ourselves. That we're something special. We're something amazing. That's what was happening in Genesis chapter 11 when the whole world was unified in one language and one mission. And their mission became to build a tower to try and reach God in their own efforts. And so that a name would be made to be great. And the Lord looked down in like that, caused them, He actually set them around the world. That's what we really get, I believe, all the different nationalities and colors and ethnicities and languages with people scattered around the world at the end of that. And so, here in put up the second slide, let's read this. It starts to make sense. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent, rushing wind. Uh, have any of you lived through a tornado? I have not. Okay. In the Midwest, you grew up in. Or whatever. A tornado, I've heard it sound like a train coming through your house. Something like that. That's probably a little bit similar to what it sounds like. And suddenly, the thing from heaven, a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wasn't just the twelve apostles that were filled with the Holy Spirit. All 120 people, 10% of this group were apostles. The other 110 or 108 were normal people like you and I. They all got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Fifty days after Jesus had died, 
And we were thought that they saw him descending to heaven. Excuse me, us standing to heaven. The day of Pentecost was this day when the Holy Spirit shows up. They were all together in the second floor room. They weren't in a skyscraper. They had built something to try and reach God, but heaven came down to them. This is the exact opposite of what men were trying to do in Genesis chapter 11. God comes down to mankind, and they were all unified together. These 120 people, and then language is a big part of this all over again. But he gives them new tongues from the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. And they are now speaking in languages that they don't know. But other people do. Pretty amazing. It's full circle of what the Lord did. Verse 5. And there were, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred throughout the city, it wasn't just in the room. When the sound occurred, the crowd came together. This sound of a mighty rushing wind must have been throughout the entire city because people started coming out of their homes or the streets and coming to where this was happening. And they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Honey, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Now, Galileans were not spoken of very highly. Like, if you were a Galilean, I don't know what the equivalent would be like in our country, but it would be more like probably country folk that weren't as educated as the people that went to Harvard, kind of thing. And they didn't think a whole lot of the Galileans. So, aren't these Galileans? I mean, basically these uneducated fishermen, people up there, speaking this way, speaking in our language, verse 8, and how is it that we eat Hear them in our own language to which we were born. For Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Speaking of the mighty deeds of God, my friend Graham Powell, who's been here a few times, when he travels around the world, he's speaking in tongues and he's doing deliverance with people. And he's often in countries that he doesn't know their language. And he said, nearly every time this happens, as he's praying for deliverance, for somebody to get delivered of a demonic oppression, he speaks in tongues. And many times the people tell him afterwards, we did not know who you are. He said, well, I know. He said, you were just talking about how great God is in our language. So think the mighty deeds of God. Still, when you're speaking in tongues, and we can all do that right now, we have no idea what language we may be speaking in, declaring the mighty deeds of God. That's why it says to pray often in the Spirit, building yourself up in your most holy faith. There's something wonderful about allowing the Spirit of God to pray through you and to speak through you. You declare in the heavens the mighty deeds of God. Isn't that amazing? It's a wonderful thing. And the reason why these people were gathered here on this day of Pentecost is that this was Savuot, one of the three feasts that was a pilgrimage.
there to celebrate this. So people are traveling from everywhere who choose to celebrate this feast, this feast, or the feast of weeks, or the celebration of the giving of the law. The giving of the law, the Ten Commandments. So they're celebrating the giving of the law, and it's a first harvest as well. But it's interesting that you know what happened at the giving of the law? Moses went up on the mountain. He was up there for a long time, I think 40 days. He gets the law. The Lord wrote in a tablet of stone. He's taking them out. He's bringing them down. And what happens? He sees the golden calf. People not worshiping God anymore, worshiping the stupid idol. He just got amongst. He throws the law down. It breaks. Remember that? And then 3,000 people die. 3,000 people die at that moment. So this is the celebration of the giving of the law. This moment is happening, but the Holy Spirit comes on this holiday, fills them with the Spirit. It's a full circle from the Tower of Babel, with God coming and doing it His way, but it's also full circle from Mount Sinai. The day that 3,000 people died, what happens on this day on Pentecost? How many people get saved? 3,000. Only God does this kind of stuff. It's like throughout the Bible. It's like these patterns and these amazing things that God does. 3,000 people get saved on the anniversary of the giving of the law when 3,000 people died. Here comes life. I love that about God and all, all the different ways he does things. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. This is prophesied hundreds of years before this Pentecost. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You're thinking about that moment ago. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Hearts of stone change to hearts that are tender and follow the Spirit. This is what happened to you when you got born again and filled with the Spirit of God. You got a brand new heart. You got a brand new Spirit that now can hear God, has a desire to pursue God. It's not just a bunch of rules and regulations you're trying to make yourself do. It's like, no, I want to serve the Lord. You know, when Jeremiah said, the heart is wicked above all else, who can know it? That is Old Testament, old before Pentecost hearts. You and I got new ones. We don't have a wicked heart. I'm not looking around at a bunch of people with wicked hearts. Because the Holy Spirit gave you a new one. You and I have new hearts. In fact, it says what? It's like the Behold, all things have become new, right? We're a new creation. All things have become new, including your heart. So you don't look at yourself as an evil person, but one whose heart has been completely changed and made new by the Spirit of God who lives inside of me because of what Jesus has done. And I am a new person. I'm not looking at myself as an evil person. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Right? That's who you are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ because of Jesus who put on his righteousness. We've taken his heart, a heart of flesh. The Lord has now instead of written the law in stone that we carry around that weighs 50 pounds, says he's written his laws on the heart. 
so we carry them on the inside. What God wants us to do. That's why you get convicted when you're doing the wrong thing. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside and He's written His laws on the inside of us. It's a wonderful thing. Chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice after all these people have gathered around. So they've come all around this building, this upper room. They've noticed that there are thousands of people outside. Peter takes his stand, raises his voice, and declares to the men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as he supposed. They must have heard them saying that. For it is only the third hour of the day. Of course, Jewish day basically starts daylight to sundown. So it's basically 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So the third hour of the day, this is only 9 a.m. right now. When this is happening, these men are not drunk, he's supposed, only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, quotes Joel. God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Not just special people. Not just a King Saul in a moment who starts prophesying. But all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall bring dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Peter explains the scripture to everyone around. Verse 19, and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 20, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. Of course, he's speaking of the next coming of Jesus. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? We know that verse. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a humility in that, and God responds. Salvation comes when we call upon His name. Verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, the man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through Him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross 50 days earlier. By the hands of godless men and put him to death. Verse 24. But God raised him up again, putting him into the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon my soul in Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and is still with us to this day. Verse 30. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seek one of his descendants on the throne, here's what he did. He looked ahead. And spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. He says David looked at the resurrection of Jesus. He wrote it down in Psalm 16. That he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh cover the king. This Jesus raised up again, 
to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus who you crucified. It's amazing. I mean, when you just think of what happens to Peter here. Have you ever heard Peter talk like this? You know, when you read through the Gospels, he asked questions, he stepped out of the water, he's a gutsy guy, but he did not hear him. I mean, where did all this, this is like, this is what we call the Holy Spirit living in someone. So we have, right off the bat, a demonstration of the Spirit of God living inside of someone, in speaking and prophesying and sharing history and prophecies that were shared hundreds of years earlier. He brings them in and interprets them, basically, and shares with this boldness in front of 3,000 people, at least 3,000. Let's read, let's finish the chapter off there. It says, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Here's another moving of the Holy Spirit immediately. They were pierced to the heart. They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, but who is the convictor of sin? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And the people who were listening felt a conviction. They were pierced to their heart. Don't you remember whenever you heard the gospel for the first time? Or the second or third attempt, or how many it was? And that moment, when you felt your heart pierced, and it's like, I have to respond to this. I have got to respond to what I'm feeling right now. That is the Spirit of God sent by the Father. No man can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. He draws us by the Spirit. So they are pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And that's a great thing right there when that happens. I think that happened once in my life where someone came to me and said, what, what do you want me to do? Is that what you You tell me what to do and I'll, I'll do it. That's what happens here with Peter. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll come and fill you right now too. For the promise, well, this, this one, if this is an underlying Bible, underlying this, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as you and I, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. This promise of the Holy Spirit was not just for the first century believers or apostles. It's for them, their children, their grandchildren and all who were far off. You and I are 2,000 years far off from them. And the Spirit of God is for us today. You know, there's not one verse, not one, that says that the, the person of the Holy Spirit or His gifts or His fruit have perished. You realize that? Or that they're done away with the last breath of the last apostle. What in the world? Who came up with that? The devil really did. It's exactly where that came up. He came, he came up with that. Because it's not in Scripture. 
for all who are far off, you and I are recipients of the same Spirit of God. The disease we're reading about is here. He's there. He's here to give us power to do His will, to be witnesses. Verse 40. And with many of the words, now, finish this quickly, with many of the words, He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received His word were baptized. And that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. It was that 3,000. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer takes off. Even more so. And then lastly, verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Now, it doesn't say here that they had to do that, but it was what they felt they wanted to do in that moment. The Spirit of God is doing so much like, let's just start giving our stuff to each other. And they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being baptized. Excuse me, saved. Those who were being saved, He's adding to them every single day. Lord, thank you for what you did uh, at Pentecost. Thank you for. Just thinking of those thousands of years about the Holy Spirit of the earth. And then thank you, Jesus, for going to heaven. And your last declaration there was to show the Holy Spirit. Fill them. Fill my kids. Fill all those who believe. Give them power to be witnesses. Give them power in their life. Give them new hearts. And Lord, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here right now. Thank you that we're not only reading history, but we're reading our story. We are reading about what you have done for each one of us. And we open ourselves afresh and anew, even right now, to the Spirit of the living God. Come on in. Have your way. Fill us overflowing. May we be your vessels and servants and those who are used by you in this world to be witnesses, to be those who heal the sick, raise the dead. To be those who proclaim liberty to captives, who proclaim the day of the Lord and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Use every single one of us, Lord. And may we see these words are still wet and still applicable, written as a love letter to us. It's part of our own personal story, not someone distant. Thank you, Lord, for these words. Before the ones you have in for us, Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.